You know, today we're starting a, a new sermon series on trust or faith. You know, last week I asked a, just a couple of questions. I asked how many of you guys have trust issues, and, and it was neat. You know, we're just kind of walking through that. One person, I think, had trusted 15 people, but everybody else was lower than that. Most people are still counting the extra fingers that they had on their hand and the number of people that they trust implicitly without question. And so we, we struggle with trust as we go through our, our, society, our world today. We, we struggle with trusting family. We struggle with trusting people at work. We struggle with trusting just relationships in general because we've all been let down, because we've all struggled with things when they don't often or when they don't come out in a truthful way. And you know, the reality of all that is that it translates to our relationship with God. So that when God says something, even though he's very clear on it, we often will struggle with that truth in our life, applying that truth in our life, because so many other people have let us down. We just, well, we, we make the assumptions that God will too. And when I talk about trust, I'm really talking about faith. It's the same word. You can, they're interchangeable in so many different ways. And, and so when God says, believe in me, he's saying, trust me. Trust the things that I've done. Trust the things, the promises that I've made to you. In fact, let me ask a question. How do you think you get God's approval as you go through life? I'm just giving you some ideas. Is it by being more good than bad? That's a, a popular scenario. You hear a lot of people saying it, but the answer to that is no. Is it by keeping the Ten Commandments? I guess if we could do it perfectly, you know, that would be a, a shot at that. But since none of us can, the answer would be no. Is it by promising to be perfect? Man, the world is big on good intentions. But again, the answer is No. In fact, as you go through the Bible, one of the only ways, the only way, in fact, that you can get God's approval, the only way you can get God's smile on your life, and there's only one way, Hebrews 11 tells us. It says in Hebrews 11 that the way to do that is this. He says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, faith in Jesus Christ is the one and only way to heaven. Without faith and trusting his promises, without faith, it's impossible to please him. You could be an amazing person, a generous person, a kind person, a wonderful person, but if you don't have faith, you just got to hear me say this, it's impossible to please him. You could do all sorts of nice things for people. You could be an important person, all sorts of things, but again, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so knowing that, would you say that faith is an important issue to God? Absolutely. In fact, he says that the only way to heaven is by having faith in Jesus Christ. And so it's huge for our, for our eternity. And not only is it huge for our eternity, but he says a whole bunch of other things. Makes all sorts of other promises. And the key then to peace or trust or forgiveness or hope or strength is all in this trust, this belief that he will actually come through. And so it becomes absolutely vital for our eternity that we learn to live by faith in this one Jesus Christ and then the Bible goes on and says, well, the way we get this faith is such an important issue, it's such an important thing. The way that we get faith comes from hearing the word of God. In other words, faith comes from the Bible because that's where God's word to us is. And the more you get into this book, God's word, the more faith will develop in your life. And so really, over the next 50 days, that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to build more faith, more trust in your life for Jesus so that you begin to trust Jesus with more and more and more things in your life. Because the more you trust his promises, not only do you get salvation and cool stuff like that, you get strength for dealing with your issues today. You get hope and, and that things can get better. You get a perspective shift that allows you to deal with things or see things that other people can't see to accomplish things that people otherwise would not accomplish. So over the next 50 days, that's what we're going to endeavor to do. Attempt to try to grow your faith so that you can trust Jesus more and more. 
In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says this, that faith assures us of things we expect. And I, and I love that verse. In fact, if I think if I had to summarize faith, I might say this. Faith is expecting the best. Kind of a curious way to say it, right? But it's expecting the best. Now, let me see if I can unpack that just a little bit, because I'm sure somebody would come up to me and say, well, pastor, that's just wishful thinking, or that's just trying to be optimistic. And I would just say to that, no, it's not. Faith is not positive thinking. Positive thinking is good. I like being around people who are positive thinkers because, you know, what's the alternative? Negative thinkers? No, thanks. You know, I'd much better be around positive thinking people. But the reality is that positive thinking, while it is good, has extreme limitations. I could put you in the middle of a snowstorm with just your pajamas on, and you could have all the positive thinking that you wanted, but you'd still be freezing to death. All the positive thinking in the world wouldn't make you warmer. So positive thinking, while it's an extremely good thing, there are just some things it just does not affect. And so when I'm talking about expecting the best, I'm not talking about wishful thinking. I wish I wouldn't have any more problems in life. Well, good luck with that. You've probably already blown through that one already, right? You have tons of problems in life. We get to go through problems in life. It's part of why life is hard and God is good. It's more than expecting the best and saying, I hope everything's just going to go the way I planned it. I don't know about you, but nothing quite goes the way I plan it. I have these great plans and these ideas in mind, but they don't always quite go the way I think they should go. So when I'm talking about faith, and I say faith is expecting the best, expecting the best is the confident assurance, that's what the Hebrew author says, that God is in control of the future and that he plans what is best for my life because he loves me. That's a lot of stuff there, isn't it? It's the confident assurance that God is in control of the future. It's a promise that he gives us. And that his plans for my life are the best for my life because he loves me. Do you trust that? When God says that the stuff you're going through, unless you've concocted it with sin, right? I mean, that the things that he's allowed you to go through are the best for your life because his goal is for you to be in heaven. And it's easy to trust God when things are going well. Do you trust him in the midst of the difficulty? See, the definition is based on this next verse in Psalm 32, verse 8, where God says, I will guide you along the best pathways for your life. I will advise you, and I will watch over you. And so he's talking here about your life. The pathway for your life is tailor-made. It's personalized. It is custom-made, tailor-made plan for your life, guided by his forever truth. And so God says just this, if you'll trust me, if you'll get to know me, then you can expect the best because I will guide you in the path that is best for you. Again, God says a lot of stuff. And the more we can trust the things that he says, the more it can give us a perspective as we look at life. And as I, even as I look back at my life, some of the worst things that have ever happened to me have been some of the most formative, most instrumental things that have ever happened to me. And they've caused more growth, and they've caused more perspective, and they've caused more healing than anything else I could have ever gone through. It's easy to see that on the back side of it. It's hard to see it on the front side. And so it may, the reality is, may not your, plan, your life plan may not be the best for everybody, but it's the best for you based on who you are, who God made you to be, and who God wants you to be. But you're saying, you know, Pastor, why should I expect the best for my life since so many bad things go, have happened to me? So many things have gone wrong. And the answer to that question is actually found in a, a famous story in the Bible. It's the story of David and Goliath. I love this story, right? 
it's, it's, we see in the story the Israelite armies are facing the armies of the Philistines. And there's a big battle going on, and the Philistines just happen to have this huge tall guy, this, this giant of a man named Goliath. He's nine feet tall. I was doing some research. I can't find any basketball player over eight feet. There's some 7'11 guys, but I can't find anybody over eight feet. Nine feet tall. And he's, he's not just nine feet tall. He's good. He's good with the sword. He's good with the spear. He's a, he's a war hero. The Philistines trumpet him out all the time. And these two armies, they've come next to each other, and he's just going out every morning just to kind of make fun of the Israelites. And he goes out and says, I, I'll fight. I'll fight your best guy. I'll fight anybody that you throw at me. And I'll tell you what, if they beat me, we'll all go home. And he went out and he taunted Israel every single morning. And everybody in the Israelite army was terrorized. And they were afraid, except for one little shepherd boy named David. And this little David said, I'll fight him. I'll take him on. And while everybody else was saying, well, he's too big to fight, little David said, no way. With my stones, he's too big to miss. I mean, I'm going to take him on. It's going to be good. He's a big target. And he says, besides, God's on our side. So all the war heroes of Israel, they're, they're terrorized because of Goliath, because of the stories that they've heard, and this little, this little shepherd boy, right? He comes out with some stones. He says, I'll fight him. And he, and he kept saying that to more and more people. Pretty soon, that rhetoric makes its way to the king, and he comes before the king and says, I'll, I'll fight him. Hey, look, I've taken on bears. I've taken on lions, all with my little slingshot. God's provided every single time. This guy's going to be no different. Let me fight him. He must have been persuasive because they let him go out. And the Bible says that he defeated this giant. And from the story of David fighting Goliath, we learn three things about David expecting the best. We learn three things about faith and what it can do for us as we walk through life. And one of the first things that we see in this is when you expect the best, first and foremost, it honors God. It, it does. It, there's something about expecting the best that says something about who you think God is. When you expect God to help you, it's the highest compliment that you can actually pay God. Because think about what it says, kind of in akin with a video. It says that God is real, and that you can believe that he can help you in this situation, which means you believe he has power. You, you, have, you believe he has power to transform the situation in a different way. You have believe that he can help you. And, and furthermore, you believe that it's out of his goodwill that he would help you. And every time you believe that God will do something in your life, you're honoring him. You're sharing with the world or whoever you share that with that God is real and powerful. And so it's a high compliment you can pay to God. Listen to what David's attitude was in 1 Samuel 17. It says this, This day the Lord will hand you over to me. He's talking to Goliath himself. When I was in sports in high school and, and also as I watched college and all that kind of stuff, one of the big things they say to their players is don't give the, you know, don't give the opposing team any rhetoric that week to build on. I mean, don't say anything that gets back to one of the teammates that they can kind of put on the wall and kind of rally their, their frustrations or their energies or anything like that. Just let them come in kind of neutral. So he's talking to Goliath, and he's saying this, This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down, and the whole world will know that there is a God. He say, I'm going to kill you, and everybody's going to know that there's a God. Dads, if one of your kids says something like this, my dad can do anything, how does it make you feel? The reality is that we have a God who really can do anything. And when you expect him to do those things in your lives, it's an incredible honor to him, and he loves helping out his kids. There's nothing that happens when we expect the best to. When I have faith, when I expect God for the best, it also increases the ability of my life. And so God gave David the strength to hurl a stone from a sling. He guided it. He hit the Philistine in the head. The stone stank into Goliath's head. Goliath tumbled, 
stumbled to the ground, fell face downward. God gave David all that ability because of his faith, because he trusted the one who was always able. You see, faith has a, a way, a power to change your attitude like nothing else. Again, every other soldier, the king included, were terrified to go against Goliath. They were terrified. They couldn't move. Nobody was set in foot anywhere close to him. But David, man, he had seen God defeat bears, and he had seen David defeat lions. He's like, Goliath isn't as scary as those guys. They had big teeth, you know, and he says, God can do it in this case too. It has this ability to change perspective. It can give you confidence, courage, peace, hope. And if you put a trust in God, it strengthens your ability in life. Now, remember the, the story of David and Goliath. David, when he went, he, he took five smooth stones from the brook, right? That's what the story said. And he took a little tiny sling and he went out and defeated Goliath. And somebody once said to me, if David had so much faith, why did he take the five stones instead of just the one? And I thought, well, that's a pretty good point. So I researched it. And the Bible is very clear about this. Goliath had four brothers. So as David went out to the battle, not only did he trust that God was going to give him Goliath, but his four brothers, if need be. If I defeat one giant, God will give me the rest. He knew that God would give him the ability because of faith, because over and over, God had provided for him. And when you act in faith, you receive additional strength to face the difficulties of life. Let me give you just a different way to think about this. You know, you've heard me talk over and over. We get to do a cool, today's just kind of a cool day. We, we got to give Bibles away. Um, Ken, who did our reading, had been struggling with a pneumonia that almost killed him, and he went through physical therapy. And the first day back, he's reading. I, I just think that's a cool thing. It, and thank you, Ken, for doing that. That's awesome. And then we're going to get to dedicate this building and then the encouragement to go and see it and stuff. But you've heard me over and over as I've talked about this, just what the miracle that this was, right? When we were first, the building committee got together and we started researching and we got all the information. It said that we had $1.6 million of underground work to do, plumbing, electrical, whatever else. I'm not a builder, right? Underground, it included some parking, I think, before we can even lay a brick. And, and really, if you're on the building committee, you know what I'm talking about. And we were all sitting there and we were thinking, well, you know, we're spending like 300 a week. That's a pretty big number. And if you remember, that's when we started looking at moving. And, you know, we came in second place, pretty good second place, but you don't get to go anywhere in second place, right? And so we came in second place twice. And, boy, when the building committee came back together after that, you could just, you could see the discouragement and, and, and the frustration and, and, and almost a little bit of hopelessness. And, well, where do we go from now? We knew God was leading us forward to do something, but was it really a parking lot, you know, partial parking lot? And, and so we just kept praying, and we just kept praying. We just figured God would open up a way, and then he did. And he brought some wisdom to our committee that we didn't have. And he brought some possibilities forward that we didn't have before. And he just engineered this thing where we were able to do all this for an amount that we shouldn't have been able to do anything with. And the reality is he did it because we didn't we didn't constrain what he could do. We even voted to move, for heaven's sakes. You know, we were willing to do anything, go anywhere, trust him for anything. We just knew that he had to do it. And one of my biggest prayers during this whole thing is, God, do something with this building that we couldn't do without you. And that's what we get to celebrate today. But without that perspective that God can do it, we wouldn't have done anything. And so again, let me read it. When I have faith and expect God for the best, it increases the ability in my life. It increases the opportunities. It increases the things that can be done. And then finally, when you have faith, it encourages other people. 
The Bible tells us that when, God, when Goliath was defeated, the Israelites gave a great shout of triumph, and they rushed after the Philistines and chased them as far as Gath. The entire nation was victorious. They were pumped up. They were excited. Goliath had been defeated by a little shepherd boy. That just doesn't happen. And it encouraged their faith. They were motivated because of this one young man. And that's the power that faith has too. Everyone got excited. Optimism is contagious. And faith has this incredible ability to make people optimistic around them. George Gallup recently did a survey entitled, Posters Find Faith Brings Optimism. And it read this way, when you have faith, it makes you more optimistic about life. He discovered that the people who have the greatest faith are also the people who are happiest in life and the people who are most helpful to others. And so when you have faith, it encourages the people that you want to encourage in life. It gives you the strength to face the difficulties that you have in life. And it honors God in ways that you can't imagine. It's our struggle to trust some of the things that God says that takes away that peace, that takes away opportunities, that takes away strength. And you see that all the way through Scripture. Some of you are saying, though, Pastor, you don't understand. How can I expect the best? You don't know what's going on in my life, and I, and I may not. You can say, how, how can I expect the best? You don't know the problems that I'm facing right now. And that may be true. But I do know that some of you are facing some pretty big giants in your life right now. Some giant problems. You've got a financial Goliath. You've got a medical Goliath. You've got a relational Goliath. Some of you are facing some major issues, nine feet tall issues in your life. And you're thinking, how can I expect the best when everything seems to be going wrong? And the answer is you do the same two things David did to give him confidence against the giants. And if you do these two things, you'll find that you have the ability to be more positive, that you'll have the ability to expect the best in spite of the circumstances. And the reality is we know what gave David this confidence because he wrote the book of Psalms, right? And in this book, he shares his inner feelings. And so this morning, as I just conclude, I want to give you the two things that David did that are practical that you guys can do to help increase your faith. And one of the first ones is simply this. Think on promises, God's promises, throughout the day. The scripture says meditate on his word day and night, right? It's one of his calls to us. But you start asking, well, how in the world does that happen? Part of it's by getting in his word, right? I mean, that's the big part, and, and by memorizing his word. You know, it's an interesting fact. That never before in the history of man has the Bible or scripture been so spread out to every part of our world. It's in more language, translated into more language today than ever before. There's more actual copies, even with the iPads and all that kind of stuff. There's more actual copies today ever in the history of, of mankind. It's on radio waves. It's on television. It's, it's, it's everywhere. And yet, in our world today, never before has there been such biblical illiteracy, at least in my generation, at least in my lifetime. The Bible is everywhere in America, yet so few people actually know what it says. And I think part of our struggle in trusting God is we're not really sure what it is that he's promising. And so step number one, David says, you've got to get in his word. You've got to know what it is that he's saying, right? This was David's biggest secret on optimism. The Bible tells us that he practiced this even in the most difficult times. In Psalm 119.95, he says this, Though the wicked hide along the way to kill me, I will quietly keep my mind upon your promises. He was facing the constant threat of assassination. He says, I need these promises to help me throughout the day to face these threats that I have in my life, these anxieties that inevitably overwhelm my day if I don't cling to the Lord. The Bible tells us in Psalm 119.11, I bank your promises in the vault of my heart. In other words, he, he learned his promises and he, and he memorized his promises and he kept going over them. 
You know, whenever you read through the Bible, and, and, and it's God's encouragement to us that we do that, that we get to hear what it is that he has to say firsthand. Whenever you're reading through the Bible and something hits you, write it down. And if it's a promise, write it on a card and put it on your mirror in your bathroom or put it on your, 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 your steering wheel in your car or do whatever you can so that you see that over and over so that when you're tempted to get anxious about whatever, you've got God's promise to bring you back. You know, it was cool. I was, last night we were, I was with the preteens and we were putting together a bench and, and one of the cool parts about that night and, and then also at the congregational uh, meeting, Rennie was talking about it. She challenged 12, the 12 free teens that we had uh, this summer to, to learn 12 memory verses. And she said nine of them did it. That they memorized the nine, all 12 verses and, and, and they got a prize or whatever as a result. But it, it's such a triumph because they actually, these preteen, third through fifth graders, took the time to memorize some of God's promises to them. They put them in there, and you know, once they're in there, the Holy Spirit can draw them whenever. And the cool part is, even though they did it for a prize, and I'm sure there was some cramming going on, you know, at some point that Emmy's been able, she's my, she's my uh, fourth grader, she's been able to, to bring those quotes into conversations throughout the summer because she learned them. And she, she brings them up as ways to apply to whatever situation we're going through, and it's a cool thing. And so step number one is we've got to get those promises in our minds. And step number two is simply this. Trust in God's love even when things look bad. Trust in his promises, in other words, even when things look hard. This was David's second great secret of optimism. It's where he found his confidence. The Bible says this in Psalm 42. Oh, my soul, David says, oh, my soul, do not be discouraged. Don't be upset. Expect God to act. For I know that I should again have plenty of reason to praise him for all that he will do. But you notice it's in future tense there. He will do, going to do. He hasn't quite done it yet. This statement is a positive expectation saying God's going to act again in my life. He's going to do it again. And I'm going to trust it. I say that because I know some of you are going through some pretty hard times right now. And so what do you do? You remember how God has helped you in the past. And I say that's important because we're such great forgetters. Not only do we not know his word, we forget how he's acted in the past. Remember that God has helped you many, many times out of many, many situations, many of which you weren't even aware that he was working. Then two, you expect him to do it again. See, that's expecting the best. You're trusting in God's love even when things look bad. I think we really understand why God does the things that he does, right? He very rarely comes to us and says, this is what I'm going to do for the next 20 years of your life, just so you understand. I'm convinced, too, even if he told us, we wouldn't get it until we got to heaven. There'd be too many factors we wouldn't understand. But so what do you do when you're facing those difficulties? And it's hard, and you don't know where to go. You trust in the love of God. You say this. You say, I know God loves me. It's a promise. I know it's true. I know God is in control, another promise. I know that God sees everything in my life that's going on right now. I know God could change it. I know God wants what's best for me, so I don't need an explanation. That's hard. It's obviously the best pathway for my life. Why? Because he tells me. I don't have to understand it because I'm trusting in the fact that God is in control and that God is good and that God loves me and that God wants what's best for me. And we hear all those promises and we say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. And see, that's the deep, deep level of faith that God desires us to have. It's easy to trust God when things are going good. It's hard when our life falls apart. It's hard when we experience the consequences to sin. It's hard when people that we love pass on. 
It's, it's hard when we get fired from work. It's hard in any of these kind of difficulties and more. But this is the deep faith that God calls us to have. It's the quest that brings peace and comfort in the midst of darkness, that brings hope when we think there's no hope at all, that brings forgiveness. These are the things that allow us to see all that God is, the miracles that he has in store. But we've got to trust what he says. And that's what we're going to try to do as we go through this series. May God increase your ability to trust Jesus for more and more as we go through these next 50 days. And all God's people said, amen. Let us pray. God, we love you so much. And life is hard, you are good. And Lord, we just, we continue to pray, Lord, that you would increase in us this ability to trust you. We know your promises. It's just so hard in the midst of life to, to remember that you love us to remember that you're working things out for our good, to remember that you're there, to remember that you have a plan, to remember any of these things, Lord. And so we pray today, cause us to remember. Implant your promises in our hearts and minds. Bring them to our memory when things are hard. And give us your spirit of strength so that we might trust them more and more and more in our life. And we pray that today in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen.